Hey, it's Chris from the Classic Metal Show. Just wanted to make sure you never, ever lose the CMS to the corporate entities of the world taking us down. Subscribe to our podcast by following our feed, https colon slash slash j dot mp slash cms feed j dot mp slash cms feed just plug that into your podcast player and you'll never lose us it's uncensored and it's controlled by us not any main tech giant so do it today fucks dom bag dom's on crank just what i need (laughs) imagine that hi this is terry glaze you're listening to drag the waters drag the waters of It is now time to drag the water some more. I am your host, Joshua Toomey, and this is a part of the CMS Podcast Network. Make sure you are following us at cmspn.com. The guest this week is Jody Dankberg. He was with Crank Amplifiers back when they signed Dimebag to endorse their product. He is now with Stern Pinball and was one of the... uh, people that put together the Metallica pinball machine. There's a lot of connection there with the die bag world and some also some other great talk with the uh, ACDC pinball machine and the Metallica pinball machine. So Jody, great guest, great talker, hour long conversation with Jody, a lot of fun. And it was a lot of fun to putting this one together again. Make sure you are following us over at cmspn.com and check out past episodes of drag the waters with Terry Glaze, Dave Ellison, Mark Eglinton, and more. And as we like to do on the Drag the Waters podcast, let's go into the archives of the Talk To Me podcast and pull a story from another person in the Pantera world. And I think today we're going to go back and check out my interview with Rita Haney and see what she had to say about Dime. <laughs> that's the only thing that's going to get me half-assed back to normal. Shit, even back in, what, the 90s? I think it was. He had a 976 number, you know, where he used to update that thing all the time. His his business cards for it were really funny, too. So, but uh, yeah, totally. I mean, he constantly, you know, had that camera. Plus, with the way today's phones are, man, he would have, I think he would have even captured more stuff, you know. I mean, Don was, the, he was a real, what a real reality star should be you know he didn't have to have somebody script or or write moments in your life to make it exciting i mean he created those himself you know it was you know that stuff's going on around you all the time and and uh you just got to see it and he he did you know that's like our whole point of why we call it dime vision because he would notice things that most people your average person just let pass right by you know Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he definitely would have been all over it. I think he'd have been like the shorter, you know, Snapchat, IG kind of person, <laughs> you know, not all the, the Facebook because he wasn't so good at even checking email. You know, that's why I came into play. So <laughs> which which was perfect, you know, because then it gave me a chance to get to work with him a lot closer the last few years, you know, with endorsements. And, you know, and I learned a lot. So, yeah, he would have totally embraced it. We have so many fucking fans and family that you know it's impossible to you know i can't just go hey dudes uh we'll see y'all next time it's gonna be on every time so no sleep nothing but booze no food just fucking hell raising and we barely made it down here as always guys go back to the archives check out that interview with rita haney over there on the talk to me podcast and without any more ramblings let's check out my conversation with jody dankberg of crank amplifiers. <laughs> you got the old dime back kicking it right here with Team Crank, blowing it out, Arizona style, blood red skies, with a fucking blazing crank amplifiers. What do y'all think, man? Uh, fucking anybody who's got an ass to be whooped is gonna get whooped. Roll with it or get rolled over, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, guys, it is now time to drag the water some more with Jody Dankberg, now of Stern Pinball, formerly of Crank Amplifiers. Jody, how are you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Now, before you and I started recording, I told you there are a lot of people in the Pantera universe, in the Dimebag universe, and you are one of those people. Yeah, I, I was really lucky 
for uh, a brief part of my life to uh, meet meet Dime and work with Dime, and and uh, and uh, it was really special. Short period of time, but a really special time. Before we dive into all that, how did you get into the crank amplifier universe? Were you a guitar player growing up? You know, tinkering with things. Uh, how did it come together? You know, I I was I was I was definitely a guitar player, uh, an aspiring guitar player, uh, not a very good one, but definitely <laughs> an aspiring guitar player. And and you know, I played in bands, local bands, and whatnot, regional stuff. And you know, and throughout college, still continued to to pursue that that type of dream of wanting to play guitar playing a band for a living and at some point um you know my father my father who's a real smart businessman came to me and said you know i think it might be time for you to try to figure out something to do in the music business that's maybe not playing in a band but you know maybe there's something something else that you might you know like to do right and at the time i was like what he nuts, you know, what, 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 and I didn't, I couldn't even fathom what he was talking about, right? Like, I, I, I was like, you mean like work for a band or like, you know, like I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't, and I was young and dumb. I was like 24 or 23 years old, 24 times. And um, at the same time, I was playing in local bands and a lot of the local bands, um, I was living in Tempe, Arizona, which is around Arizona State University. And, um, in town, there was a guy named Tony Crank who had this cool little, just little repair shop. He'd hot rod, you know, your, your rectifiers and your boogies and your PVs, you know, make them, make them sound really cool. And if you were lucky enough, you get Tony to build you a crank amp. And crank amp was like this, uh, he used to use these old Russian uh, Sovtech amps. They were like these old Sovtech tube amps that he would get on eBay. And he would gut them out, put his own circuits in there, and then redo it. And if you're lucky enough to know Tony, you could you could pick one of these up. For, he'd even trade you like you, you you could give him like your rectifier or your your, your JCM 800, and he would give you the crank one. He I assume he just go and sell the other one on eBay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and so if you know, so most of the local guys in town had a crank amp. A tube. If you're a guitar player and you played in a band and you're, you know, in the scene, you put, you had one of these amps. So one day I was actually over there and um, I, I was getting, I, I don't know if I was buying something or getting something fixed. And I said to him, I said, Hey man, you know, my dad, my dad thinks I should start a, a, a comp, like a, something in the music, do something in the music business, not playing the guitar. I'm like, what if we made these things for real? You know, like, uh, made them look nice, put them in the stores, got people to play them, you know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of people play them. They like them already. Why not? Right. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, you know, he's always super easy going. He's like, sure. Why not? You know? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And, uh, and, uh, there was a kid next door, this guy named Kit. He was an amazing bass, bass player. I remember Kit. We were all just musicians, right? Just aspiring musicians, just having fun. And Kit with Kit, Kit worked in a wood shop next to Tony's place and he would build sometimes cabinets and things and enclosures for Tony's stuff. And so like that's, so I walked next door and I introduced myself to Kit and I said, Hey Kit, me and Tony are starting an amp company. You want, <laughs> why don't you just come, you know, I'll, I'll build, we'll make a wood shop and you can, you can run the wood shop. So that, boom. It was me, Tony and Kit. And, uh, and there was another kid named Mike who worked, he was kind of like a, a greaser looking guy. He was like a slick back hair, like a, like the Fonz, you know, he had like cigarettes in his, in his <laughs> nice. sleeve there. And my, it was, so it was like the four of us and, uh, and a couple other guys. And we, 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 uh, we went and we rented a, a building in a, like an industrial park and we started, um, making guitar amps, not knowing anything about making guitar amps or being in business or anything. Um, so that's kind of how, how it got started. Now getting into something like that, was there a lot of uh, trial and error, you know, trying to figure out, you know, do we, do we sell at this price point? You know, do we, do we, how do we find out, you know, how much to sell these for that type stuff? No, the, 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 there was like a, there was a, there was like an overarching strategy. The strategy was, well, these amps sound really cool. Right. And they, you know, and in my, and at that time, um, it was really the trend was to buy, you know, you could buy a Bogner or a diesel and there was like a bad cat. There was a few other boutique. There was not a lot of boutique amps. What year was this by the way? Uh, this was in 2003, I think. Yeah. Uh, 2003, I believe. So 
to get this superior hot rotted sound, you had to spend like four grand or thirty five hundred bucks. So I'm like, I'm like, we're gonna sell ours the same price as a, you know, a Mesa or a, a Marshall, right? But it's gonna sound like the, right, right. the big dog. So that'll be our kit. That'll be our niche, right? <laughs> so, but again, not knowing how much they cost to make or how to make them efficiently or any not not knowing nothing and so we literally just a little bit of trial and error set up assembly lines kit sets up a wood shop my dad <laughs> kit to home depot and buys them whatever <laughs> you know <laughs> and kit's got a wood shop and tony's got another thing and i've got an office where i'm you know uh, uh figuring things out and um we quickly we quickly learned how to do it um and we you know we made it to our first nam show the nam show was in in anaheim california so we had started in about september and so we all looked we had this old winnebago like mike fox had and uh we called them fx fx eventually went and worked in the wood shop too and uh, we all hopped in these old went like from the 70s winnebago like like the like the kind from Spaceballs, right and we all hop in and we do the six hour trip to Anaheim to the NAM show. And we stay at the Best Western Kitty Corner from the uh, from the convention. And we have this tiny little booth in the bottom of the uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the NAM show, but uh, you know, there's a there's a there's a thing called Hall E, which is like everything else is above ground, and then there's Hall E. <laughs> like the, hey, you've never been here before, you right. don't have any priority points, no seniority, you go to the basement, right? Well, turns out the basement's kind of a place to get discovered, I guess. I didn't, you know, or, or whatever. So people put, so people know about the basement. They go down the basement. And next thing you know, we're sitting there. We're having fun. And next thing you know, you know, the NAMM the NAM show is just polluted with every guitar player and musician you ever met in your life. And they're all coming by, stopping by. We're, we're like, holy shit, this is pretty cool. You know, we're meeting people. Um, and that's where I uh, eventually would meet one of my best friends to this day, this guy named Paul Riario, who's a a tech editor for uh, Guitar World magazine, and uh, we we made friends. Paul, Paul, Paul. Uh, we got Paul to come and try out the the gear, and Paul really liked it. Thought it was really cool, and he wrote a really nice article about us in Guitar World. Still looking for that issue. If any of your listeners have that <laughs> issue, there's a review of the Crank Revolution in there. It's yellow. So if any any of your listeners have one, I'll I'll pay I'll pay for the issue. I used to have a copy. Yeah, my first band CD was reviewed in Metal Maniacs, and a few years ago I went on eBay and I found a guy who had a bunch of uh, Metal Maniacs issues, and I said, hey, if you go through and you find this certain CD review, I will buy that issue. And the guy got right back to me and said, "said hey, it's in this one, I bought it, and uh, yeah, that's how I had to go for it. Yeah, yeah I was thinking, I've been looking on eBay, I'm like, maybe I'll just buy the whole year worth of of them <laughs> you know what i mean i'll even take it digitally i just want to see that art I, I used to have a many computers ago or hard drives ago i used to have it saved but nice. but anyway um so that was neat you know and then all of a sudden we were a company we're in the magazine we're at, we're running ads in the magazine not big ads we're running little quarter page ads i think maybe even one sixth page right um so we, i mean I'm, I'm basically just borrowing money from my dad every month to figure this thing out yeah dad you told me to find a job in the music business and uh but he was really great and he he kind of he i think he really enjoyed watching what was going on oh, yeah. um and because it was something i've always been you know, i've always had such a passion for the guitar and music and pop culture and whatnot and then i've always had a i, I it wasn't very good then but a kind of a business uh sense to I think I was always meant to be a behind the scenes type of person, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And that's where it kind of started to blossom for me. So what would started happening was I would, um, we started getting artists, right? So we, we had met a few guys at the NAMM show. Um, we, we, um, we, I would go to the, uh, there's a place, and I think it's still there called the Marquee Theater in Tempe, Arizona. Um, and uh, where the guys, this guy, Will Anderson, who, booked my band for you know, since I was a little kid. He was the promoter there. And I said, Hey, Will, can I go hang out in, in the back? 
and you know give me a pass and so i can talk to the tour managers you know and i i always and then when they come off the bus i'd be like hey um i you know give my card hey i got i own this amp company if any of your guitar players want to check it out we're like two minutes away i could hop in the truck and go down there and like literally i would just be doing that three or four times a week you know (laughs) and you know and and there were some guys that i already kind of knew like 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 somewhat like uh one of the first guys to to really support me was uh, Mike Schleibaum from Darkest Hour. Oh, nice. Um, really, what a, a really great guy and really talented guy. And he was one of the first people to 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 take on to it. And um, Doc Coyle from God Forbid was one of those people. Dallas's brother, um, Michael Amat from Arch Enemy. Um, so and uh, Josh Rand who uh, plays in um, Stone Sour. Uh-huh. Um, another, and, and, and so there was this group of guys that were starting to, um, I'd say, Hey, give me your, give me your Mesa boogie and I'll, I'll give you, <laughs> and I'll give you a crank amp. We'd give him a crank amp and then we'd sell the, sell it on eBay, just like Tony did back in the day. Right? The formula didn't change much. Um, and, um, so it was cool. It, we were having fun. Um, I think the year would have been 2004 then and um, cruising along. And one day we get a call. I get an email. I get a, we get an email from someone called Dimebags Hag. I, um, you know, you know, Rita, Rita is an amazing person and an awesome person. I hadn't seen her in a long time, but you know, she's much more um, infamous now. You know, people know of her now. Right, right. Um, when I was growing up and, and being a fan of Pantera. So I didn't know, I didn't know of Rita, you so, know, yeah, you know what I mean. I think most people, you know, she was behind the scenes, and, and, and but with time for a long, long, long time. And um, so I get an email from uh, from someone called Dimebags Hag, and uh, saying that they saw our ad in Guitar World magazine, and that Dimebag is leaving his current company and shopping around for amp companies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> and then like, I'm also like funny <laughs> that's cool funny and uh did you think it was a joke or did you think it was real oh absolutely i thought it was a joke because okay. at the same time when we were getting kind of popular with like these metal metal bands and, and 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 getting a little bit of heat as you know when you start to get a little heat and you know some people aren't <laughs> nice you know i mean the the more as many people are going to love you just as many people are going to hate you no matter what you do and a lot of things and so there was a lot of that going on too at the time, you know, internet, social media was, it was MySpace. Oh yeah. And it was, uh, there was for, a lot of forums and chat rooms and stuff like that. It wasn't like what the internet is today. Um, but I, I did definitely thought it was a joke. Absolutely. A thousand percent. So I, um, so the email said that they wanted to check out, uh, an app to send them one. Right. So I, through a, a friend of a friend of a friend who knew someone at Dunlop, I, I found out that it was actually his address. <laughs> nice. And I'm like, and uh, they're like, how'd you get this address? And I'm like, don't worry about it. I just, <laughs> and so I sent, I sent an amplifier and uh, the next day I got a call or something, a call or an email, can't remember, saying he really, really, really likes it. Uh, send another one. <laughs> what? Send another one. Well, he thinks you did something to it. You know what I mean? He's like, he wants uh, to. See. He thinks you did something funny to it. So, send another one, right? Because he really liked it. So he thinks it's it's, it's uh, something's wrong with it. So send another one. <laughs> All right. I said, well, what color do you want? And at the time, we did. Um, we had also that was another thing that we did. We like went to the, this upholstery shop and bought like all sorts of crazy colors and plaid and yellow and all sorts. That was like, another. we're like, Oh, we'll make it whatever color amp you want. Now that's actually kind of a thing. You can see people make a lot of colored amps nowadays, but back then you can only get like black ones. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so anyway, so uh, she goes, well, I, he, he sees you have a plaid one. Uh, and we did, we made a plaid one. And in, in, in the ad in guitar world magazine, there was a, one of the amps was plaid and uh she's like that's one of his favorite colors <laughs> i'm like is that a color i'm like okay <laughs> okay 
Okay, I, I, I come. I came to later find out the reason he like plaid so much is because of for his love for uh, Blues Ciracino, the guitar player. And he even had, I guess you could probably find a picture of it. He had a patch of plaid tattoo like on his, I think it was on his leg, like on the back of his thigh. Uh, so he wasn't like uh, Scottish or anything, or, or, <laughs> but uh, or he didn't like ska music or anything. But <laughs> but uh, so plaid. So anyway, that little side note there about. Uh, Blue Saracino, a good guitar player. But uh, so I took, I had a, I took one of the amps and we put it in a plaid box and we overnight it again. We're running out of cash here too, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're overnight amps. What are we? What are? We? <laughs> and so, yeah. So I'm at home. I think the next night. It's late. It's like two, one, two in the morning. And my phone rings, and it's Rita, and she says, "Hey, you know, kind of introduces herself, very, very personal, very nice." And I said, and I'm like, "Hey, how you doing?" And she's, I'm like, "What's you up to?" And she's like, "Well, I'm just doing some barbecue for the boys." And I'm like, and I kind of like think for a second. I'm like, "It's one in the morning," <laughs> and it's and they're in Texas, and I was in Arizona. I'm like, "Okay," I'm like, "All right," and, and then she's like. Uh, and she's telling me how much he really liked it and blah, 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 blah. Maybe we should talk about getting together or a meeting or something like that. And uh, I said, I can't remember where the conversation led, but it, it led to a point where like, hey, I got to be honest with you. I still think this is a, an elaborate prank. Uh, <laughs> very elaborate. And, it's very, and I applaud. I applaud everybody uh, involved because uh, you got me. And uh, she's like, well, would you like to talk to him? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, again, I'm just a kid. I'm still a kid. I'm 44 <laughs> years old. I still feel like a little kid. Right. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, sure. You know? And so she goes in the house or whatever. I'm, I'm assuming it was at, at his house. And, uh, and uh, she goes somewhere and you can hear drums playing. Right, and it, it wasn't just drums, it was clickety clickety clack Vinnie Paul drums, you know. Like, <laughs> nice. like, I'm like, holy shit! Like, and then you know, and then she opens the door, and it's just blah noise, right? And and she's like, shut up, you know, and <laughs> and uh, she's like, hey, he wants to talk to you, and he gets on the phone, he's like, yep, oh, you know, just and uh. I'm like, we, we just, I don't know what we start talking about, but I just remember it, it being very personable and just like, it was just like talking to like putting on an old glove, just talking to someone I heard, I knew for a long time. And then I was telling him how I didn't think it was really him and stuff. And he would like, <laughs> he like played guitar for me on the, on the phone, you know? And like, I'm like, Holy shit. You know, like, and, uh, it was just neat. And I'm sitting in my bed in my boxer shorts, you know, right, right. like going, what is going on here? You know, thanks dad. You know, yeah. like, thanks for the idea, dad. This is cool. This is fun. All right. All right. Whatever. So, you know, sometime, uh, I don't, I don't know how much time it passed. It couldn't have been much time. Cause I think this, so this was around his birth. When's his birthday in August. Yeah. So this had to have been, and then because she said it was his birthday, that's why he needed the plaid amp. So not much time had passed before he came to see us. And uh, when I mean came to see us, we sent, we flew him out. Uh, we put him up. And uh, I told this story on Ryan's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> An interesting story. I'll tell a, I'll tell a different version of it. I'll try to. Uh but he he um, he showed up uh, um, at the factory. I'm assuming we must have sent a, a limo or something. I, I remember buying like I remember getting you know a specific hotel at the Buttes in Tempe, and I remember when we rented a, a rented a party bus because for us to all go hang out. And I remember um, I remember I remember those things pretty vividly and. Is this the stuff that's uh, from YouTube when uh, Guitar World showed up and did a uh, did a thing? That's another time when he came. Okay, okay. Actually, when Damage Plan came through town, um, 
but yeah, you kind of, if you've seen that footage, you could see me probably 30 pounds heavier and also, uh, you kind of can get the vibe of what was going on around there at that time. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you could see it was just a bunch of kids, mm -hmm. uh, in a, in a, in a garage shop basically, uh, that this man, uh, trusted, <laughs> uh, unbelievably, but, um, there were some things that led to that, uh, him trusting us. And, um, I think that one of the, if you had ever met him, you know, again, and I only knew him for a very short time, but if you had ever known him and most people I knew that didn't know him and I, I, I had great fortune of meeting a lot, a lot of people after he passed that did know him that came into my life that were really great and influential and also fun to be and have friends to this day. Um, he just was that he just was just a nice, just a really nice guy that yeah. was, was, um, just loved to talk. Um, he loved to talk. He, he just loved to talk and, and, and he, you could talk to him for hours and he was just special. And he, he, even if you weren't into the same things, you know, or you were from a different place or you were from, or you're, you're we were a different race or whatever, you know, he, he would acknowledge it and bust your chops about it a little bit, but it never stopped how special he treated you or your friendships or whatever, you know? And it was, it was just, it was very interesting. Um, just a really unique person, uh, one of a kind, uh, uh, person. I think that's why he was so successful is because he was so, um, so nice and so uh, humble and so fun to be around. And I think, you know, that, that, that's why he had such longevity, right? Is because people, oh, yeah. it, 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 people like that last a long time. So, um, you know, he came to visit us. Uh, and never forget, I, I always was struck by how short he was. Um, I, was, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm six foot. I think he was like five. I don't know how tall I was. I don't know if there's a record of it, but he wasn't six foot. <laughs> yeah, I would say about five ten or so. Maybe five ten or so, five, five eight or so. But like you know, but like you, I, I guess the reason I say that is, I I always saw him as a giant. You know what I mean? Like when I go, I seen like forty Pantera concerts, or I'd see him on the cover of the magazine, or in the you know, he, to me he was larger than life, right? So to, to you know to, to walk up on him, and there he was, you know, and he's like cherub cherub cheek, you know, and he had big beard, and he's wearing his brand new black label vest that Zach gave him, and and it was really surreal and really really neat, and uh, he was just really, he just gave me a hug right away, and he let me wear he I'm like I asked him about the vest, he put the vest right on me, like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like I'm sitting there like three seconds into it, I'm sitting there, we're having a shot of Crown. Uh, and I'm wearing the black label vest and we're, we're laughing like th literally three seconds into meeting the guy, you know, and it's just like, so it was just, it was neat. And so we went and we talked for a little bit and actually my dad came down and, um, that was really funny. And, um, and, uh, he was, you know, uh, I remember him specifically wailing away on this white Les Paul that I have that I've had forever. And that, that he was, you know, plugged into the amp and was just, and I just remember just sitting there just being like, wow, I'm never going <laughs> to touch that thing again. You know, like, holy shit. Um, and so it's just like, it's just a, just a big surreal moment. And again, we're all just big fans and just, we're all musicians, we're all fans. So we're all just, we're literally all sitting Indian style around the couch and he's sitting on the couch, <laughs> like, you know, like little kids watching him and, and, uh, you know, and he, he goes into some, you know, telling us about how, you know, all right, well, let's get down, let's get down to business before we go have, you know, go get, go get tore up, right? We're going to go get tore up. <laughs> and one way or the other, we're all going to go get tore up, right? Yeah, and, so, and so we're like, okay, so let's, let's, and so, you know, he goes on to say, you know, um, I've got a lot of offers from all the big guitar companies, you know, and uh, the guitar amp companies and. You know, they're basically just giving me, everyone's just saying, you know, I'll give you a million dollar guarantee, you know? And like, we're all like, 
<laughs> yeah, Dime, actually, our deal is you have to give us one of your old Randalls for every amp we give you. Yeah, like, 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 like I don't know if we have enough gas for the party bus, Dime, but, but, uh, but yeah, okay, yeah, sure, a million dollars. <laughs> and, uh, blah 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 and my dad's just like dying laughing right at this point because i'm like looking at i li- I literally looked at my dad right when he said a million dollars like like it's <laughs> over right my dad my dad's like go fuck yourself right and uh it was just really funny and uh but anyway you know it just it, it was like this thing like you know there's got to be something in it for me type of thing and then like, right. makes sense to us hey you know we're we're uh you know we don't have that kind of money, but maybe we could, I don't know, you know, we'll talk about it. You know, we'll figure it out. And if we don't figure it out, let's go have a good time, right? Whatever. Right, right. And, um, and you know, and then we, uh, I remember we went to this, 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 uh, it was so contrived, the plans that I made that evening. I, so I booked us at the, at the Rustler's Roost, was like this cowboy restaurant, right? All right. Going to dinner with Dimebag Daryl, right? It's like you're. It's like one of those places with the bull outside, you know, and the, that that type of restaurant. They even sort of like rattlesnake and stuff, like total Arizona type of place. And uh, so we go there, and we got this big long table. There's probably about ten or twelve of us, you know, all the guys from the shop and and Rita and and, uh, and Daryl and 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 we're just having a really great time. He's we're just we're just we're getting really drunk like we've never gotten before because we're all trying to keep up with him, right? And uh, we didn't know he was chugging Pedialytes in the back, you know? Uh, you know, he, and uh, and uh, we're just having a really good time, blah, blah, blah. And I go up to pay the bill, and the guy says, you know, the gentleman took care of it. And I said, well, I'm looking around, like, what gentleman took care of it? And Dime had gotten up and paid the bill. Oh, wow. And like, I almost just sobered up real quick, you know, like for a sec. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, and I, so I, I go back and sit down and I whispered to, to my buddy, my buddy driver, um, who I talked about on, on Ryan's uh, Metallica podcast driver plays guitar for a guy named Eric church. Um, Eric okay, church, really amazing artist and, Driver's been his guitar player since since the day. Well, Driver was in my band and one of my best friends at the time. And he worked it after after work, after school. He'd come and work in the amp shop. The driver was with us, so it was really neat to have that experience with my best friend. And and I and I whispered to Driver. I said, "He likes us." He's like, "What?" Said, he just bought fucking dinner, dude. Like like he bought like and it was like a, you know it was like probably a couple a lot you know right, right. <laughs> dinner, dude. Like. And a lot of drinks. I mean, it had him in, you know, a lot of thousand bucks worth of alcohol at least. You know, just like a lot. And it was abusive. It was stupid. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and I was like, I was like, this is cool. This is really neat. And the you know, and then I, I, and I, you know, I, I thanked him. I remember thanking Daryl. I can't, I can't remember really what happened, but he's just like. I like, he's like, I like you guys. You know, we were like, just like little gremlins, you know, like these little, these little, just these little gremlins. He was like, I like you guys. You're funny. Like patting us on the heads and stuff. And he would call me Yoda because he, uh, I don't know if he didn't like saying Jody, but like it, it, it became like Jody, Yoder, Yodi, Yoder, Yoder, Yoda. Right. And then, and then I have big ears too. You can't see under these muffs, but, and so he, so he called me Yoda. He's like, oh, you know, I like you guys. And I'm like, all right. And uh, it was just pretty surreal. And then we, we hop on the uh, we hop on the party bus and we're going to go to the strip club, right? Because it's a very contrived, the plans are very contrived. <laughs> and, uh, we're going to the strip club. And um, we're going, and I, I'll never forget what Dime said to me. He goes, this isn't a nice place, is it? <laughs> and, I said, and I looked at it and I'm like, well, it's, you know, it's not it's not a shitty place, right? You know, and he goes, I don't know, like I don't want to see stretch marks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't know if they, I like, I don't know, I can call ahead, but uh, but they know we're coming, and uh, I think it'll be fun, right? And uh, and so the weirdest, interesting thing happened on that car ride or on that van ride or bus ride, whatever you want to call it, 
he got a call from his brother who was sitting with Eddie Van Halen. Oh, wow. And Dime at that point, and it really surprised me, had never met Eddie Van Halen until he met him like it's somewhere documented. You met him like a month later. <clears throat> yeah. They just posted some uh, photos from that one uh, right after Eddie passed. So, yeah. So like he eventually got to go meet Eddie, but he had never even talked to the guy. I don't think, <laughs> which was struck me as weird. Right. But Hey, a dime was my Eddie Van Halen. I never talked to dime before. So yeah. yeah. Hey, why not? <laughs> so anyway, so he gets a call from Vinny and um, he puts, Eddie on the phone and like Dime lights up like a little boy. Hey Ed, it's kind of like me talking to Dime right, prior. Right. prior. Um, really surreal moment. I remember he told us all to shut the fuck up, <laughs> uh, just yelling at us, shut up. And uh, and we all watched him. And I think he got a little. I remember him getting a little teary eyed because we all got teary eyed. It was just like the weirdest, most surreal thing ever. <laughs> And then they made plans to, like to hang out at some point or something, so that happened. And so we're, we're all just looking at each other, man. What is going on here? What kind of rock and roll fantasy camp are we on? And uh, then we go to the strip club, and um, it's you know again, it's it's all very contrived and surreal. They got Pantera playing, there's Pantera music videos playing. We're having a really great time. Everybody's having a good time. Um, my poor friend Driver, who plays, who stands on the stage in stadiums and arenas, he was in the bathroom, and I guess another gentleman had thrown up. So, but the bouncer in the bathroom thought my friend Driver, who plays in the Eric <laughs> Church band, uh, threw up, and he said, "You're out of here unless you clean that up." Mind you. We're hanging out with Dime. <laughs> Guess who cleaned up that puke? Yeah. He cleaned up somebody else's puke because he wasn't going to leave because we were fucking partying with Dime. Uh, it was uh, like, that's, that's so crazy, right? It was like, I didn't, I didn't hear the story until later. But uh, anyway, true story. So we're having fun. We're just we're really just having a lot of fun. It's getting kind of late, and it's getting kind of belligerent. And at some point... Um, the bouncer says to me, Hey, you, you gotta, uh, you gotta control your friend. And I'm like, uh Oh, who's my friend? Well, it's Daryl. <laughs> and he's at the ATM and at the ATM is not cooperating with Daryl, whether it's, it's broken or it's, I don't know what's wrong with it, but it's not giving any money. And so I go over there. I'm like, Hey man, it's cool. We're, uh, we're cool. I got, we're covered. I got, you don't need money. I got it. You know, we're all good. And he like looked at me like with this grin, like this, like, he's, I'll never forget the sound. It was, he goes eh, like this. Right. And he punched the ATM machine and I think he broke it. I'm pretty sure he broke it. And all the bouncers started coming at us. We were standing there and I was so drunk and I was just having the most surreal superhero night of my life. Fuck it. I punched one of the bouncers. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like guarding, I'm like holding dime behind me. Like, no, you cannot touch him. You know, like all this shit. And next thing you know, I'm dragged outside. I see like, you know, the cherries, the blue and blue and the red cherries out of the corner of my eye. Cops are there. I get put in a cop car. Uh, I'm sitting in the cop car. I'm like, whoa, that was crazy, right? I'm in the back of the cop car. I see all my buddies coming out. I'm like, hey, hey. No one can hear me because apparently cop cars are silent. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, all my friends are coming out and they're going to the bus. And Dime comes out and there's all the cops, hey, and they oh, Dime back and they're getting autographed. <laughs> hey, hey. You know, I'm just the back of the cop car hey 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 and uh i'm losing steam fast and uh cop gets in the car i'm like i'm with them yeah shut the fuck up <laughs> no 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 you don't understand i'm with them yeah right you assaulted somebody you're going you're going down 
And then I'm like, but you don't understand. Cop <laughs> was having none of it. So he takes me, they take me down to the jail. They, they take my mug shots. They take my pictures of my tattoos. They put me in the cell and I get my one call. I can't remember who I called. I'm, I may have called driver or, or, or this other guy, Chris, who worked for us. I can't remember who I called. You know, your one phone call. And, uh, I was bailed out a few hours later and the next morning, uh, I met my friend Daryl at the airport and <laughs> we rendezvoused at the Dick Clark's, uh, sorry about that. No, you're good. Um, I was going to have a picture of us sitting at the Dick Clark's, um, oh, no. uh, I'll email it to you. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we sat at the, the Dick Clark's, uh, ABC diner, whatever it was. We literally sat there for, three or four hours. He missed his flight like three times. He just sat there drinking, uh, you know, crown and diet Cokes and uh, eating French fries and talking. And at some point, I don't remember if it was then or if it was a phone call later, but I, I remember it. I remember we made a deal where I would give part of my part of the company to da to Daryl in exchange for him to endorse the product because I didn't have any money. And so I said, like, all I have is my, 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 my interest, in, you know, in the company. And I'd be more than willing to give up part of that to work with you. And for some reason that was good enough for him. Huh. It wasn't a million dollars, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was nothing guaranteed, you know, do you think he liked the upstart boutique side of the deal instead of going with a major? I, I would have, you would have thought that would have sent something, somebody running for the hills, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think he liked us. Yeah. Like, I think he really liked us. Like, like, like there was a connection that he had one with uh, my business partner, Tony, who made the apps. Um, and I haven't spoken to Tony in many, many, many years, but, um, Tony is a genius, a literal genius, uh, a savant, and not only a, an, a, an amazing um, repairman slash circuit creator, but an amazing guitar player, just like blistering. Like you were just talking about Eddie Van Halen. I mean, he could, he could play Eddie Van Halen uh, like nobody's business. And so him and Dime had this really cool connection and, me and Dime connected on this other weird, goofy level where he, I was kind of, it was more like a little, maybe a little brother type of relationship, big brother, little brother type of thing. And, um, and I think he just really enjoyed the vibe of all of us. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't put pinpoint it. You'd, I couldn't pinpoint what it was. And maybe, you know, one day Rita could, Rita could say what it was or, or whatnot. Um, but, um, I hope, I, we spend a lot of time talking after that, um, near daily, um, hourly, um, uh, talking, um, and we would talk about everything. Like we talk about old episodes of unsolved mysteries to, uh, you know, to how he was feeling to just a lot of things. You know, one thing I found with not just Daryl and I've been very fortunate in my life to work with a lot of, um, famous people in music and in some other areas is what I found is a lot of times these people who are larger than life, um, really like it to have someone just to talk to or right. to relate to maybe on a level where it's not someone asking them for their autograph or a picture. You know, that's one thing that always strikes me is like, I don't, I never asked him for an autograph or a pic or any, you know, like I, and maybe that's was, and I don't know why I never did. Right. I don't, I don't, I can't tell you why I did it. <laughs> you know, and sometimes, some days I'm like, man, I should have, you know, like I really wish I had a two Jody, you know? No, yeah. But then again, you know, what am I going to do with that? You know, I can't take it with me, you know? And, um, but again, but I found like, you know, a lot of people, I, I'll talk, you know, one of the people that I got to be, 
uh, not friendly with, but to, to, to pleasure to hang out with a few, uh, a bunch was uh, Zach Wild through 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 Noah and Dime, right? Mm-hmm. And and when I when I, I the funny story is, and the, and you know the story, we ended up making the amp with Dime, and uh, um, he came to town like um, like a month later with Damage Plan. And I remember he made the guys from Shadows Fall, John and Matt, who are like two of my best friends to this day. Uh, John plays in Anthrax now. Um, he like they were like sweating. They just came off stage. And he's like, "This is my friend Yoda, and you're gonna play Crank Amps." <laughs> like, okay. And, and, and I, I'll never forget. It was just hysterical. And then, uh, and uh, and uh, they played, and it was neat. It was really neat, and I got to do the whole thing where. You know, he brought me drinks on his guitar. You know, he does that a lot. Of, you know, he would do that. He yeah, yeah. Drink on the end. He, he, he literally, he, he made me, he made me sit on the corner of the stage, like in the front. <laughs> so like, not like the corner stage behind a monitor, like the corner of the stage. Like if I look to the side, everyone's there. Right. right, right. Like he, like, and, and, and it was just, I mean, what a surreal night, you know? And, and, and uh, you know, we got to sing, uh, I got to sing walk with them right on stage and it was neat. And, um, you know, and they went on their way and he, he was at our shop earlier that night. He saw that video from the guitar world that night. And, uh, he, he signed off on what became the Krankenstein, uh, amp that night. Um, and then, uh, he actually stole the name Frankenstein because we had a uh, we had an effects pedal that we were going to call the Frankenstein, <laughs> and he saw it laying around. He goes, he, he just took it. Like, That's mine. I'm crank. I'm Frankenstein. I'm like, all right, you're, whatever you want. You're Frankenstein, and uh, <laughs> and he. Uh, uh, but so, you know, and uh, don't it. A few weeks later, passed. Uh, we would talk nightly, and then. You know, obviously one night, um, you know, unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. Um, uh, I was really honored and to be invited to spend time with his family and friends in Dallas after, you know, uh, when that happened. And, and another surreal type of thing where you know, a lot of different people there that were you know, from magazine covers and and. In the, in the videos and stuff like that. Um, I, I often say that that day was a, a kind of a gift that, oh, yeah. that he may have left me uh, and a lot of people. Um, and uh, uh, just, and uh, his, you know, and Rita and his brother were, were, they said, go ahead, go make it, you know, go, go make, uh, I, we didn't know what we were going to do. We, we just assumed, you know, but they said to go ahead and do it. We, uh, we, uh, once, once that happened and we announced that endorsement and, you know, it was, it was kind of a freight train of, uh, getting dealers on board, um, getting some major, there's a guy who works at Gibson now, but he was at Sam Ash for a long time, a guy named John Conley. Um, and, uh, John Conley was a buyer for Sam Ash, so he actually you know, Matt from Shadows Fall told him to come see me, and he came <laughs> down. And gave he was my gave us our first break, Sam Ash. Um, you know, we, we started getting a lot of dealers. We figured out how to make amps properly. Uh, eventually, you know, eventually we got some tutelage from some people. Got a little bit more things. I sold I sold part of the comp- I sold most of the company to a guy, uh, so the company wouldn't die. I sold it to an investor, um, and about a year a year after that, um, uh, after Dime passed, my father passed, and um, I got a job offer in Chicago to, ironically, work at Washburn and Randall, where they <laughs> all had come from, which was, um again obviously it led me to where i am doing today um moving to chicago but that was a whole that was like going like uh you know i don't know 
if you're a comic book guy, but you know, like Bizarro World or alternate universes, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. That was literally like traveling to the alternate universe, right? So like I was in my universe, my dime universe, right? Right. And then I went, I moved to Chicago and I met all these people who had all those shared experiences I had. Matt uh, Chewy, who you should definitely interview. Yeah, I know uh, uh, painted dimes guitars for years. You know, there's all his Washburn guitars. Chewy and Eric, they they, they built all his guitars. Well, my friend Dave Karen, um, Dave Karen is someone you should a thousand percent interview. Dave was Dimes artist relations rep, you know, and Dave Dave uh, Dave now has a company with Kirk Hammett. They, it's called KHDK. They make effects pedals. Oh, nice. And Doug Reynolds. Um, I don't know where Doug's at now. I don't know if he's at Korg or, but Doug, Doug ran Randall, right? Doug built the Randall answer. So it was all the, and Larry English, he ran the custom shop. And so it was all these people that had all these, they had years with dime, years, right. years of experiences and, and relationships. I had nothing. What did I have? Three months and, and, you know, a bunch of phone calls, right? Actually saw him less than 24 hours of my life, right? In person. And these are people that actually, so there was just like this, it, it was a, it was a, it was a interesting mutual respect. Um, and they welcomed me and I had a lot of, I made a lot of, uh, I had a lot of success there at us music uh, with those people, um, and did a lot of neat things and was able to carry that momentum of starting crank and learning learning about um, marketing a consumer product and learning about artist relations and leveraging influence, you know, today they call them influencers, right? As you know, we, they've always been influencers, right? Like, <laughs> you know, and so figuring out that concept, you know, and then and being like, you able to roll that into, into a, an actual company that had, a budget you know i remember you know like it was fun we got to do a lot of fun stuff at, at randall and so i, I so i was uh, that segues into a neat story if you have time about yeah. Wild. um so every few years and he eventually did it he started his own goddamn guitar company uh wild audio and i think Schechter uh helped uh does it he's no longer with gibson guitars but every every few years zach would do the i'm leaving gibson thing right and and court all the you know court all the guitar companies and so uh he wanted his manager wanted me to go see him at his house uh to talk to about washburn guitars right and so i flew out there uh to his house and uh and uh i met him it was like three in the afternoon and i met him out there and uh he remembered me from from uh, he came to visit a couple times uh, when Daryl in Arizona, and uh, we went. Uh, I went over to I went over to Zach's place, and immediately he's like, "We got to get the hell out of here!" And so he we jump in his black pickup truck, and he drives like a hundred miles an hour down the. He lives up on this little mountain thing. He drives a hundred miles an hour down the mountain to a truck stop called the Country Girl, and it's just literally like a like a truck stop out of the Devil's Rejects. It's like this wooden shack with a bar in it, right? And there's a few guys sitting around. There's semis pulling in and out, right? Guys getting, I don't even know if there's, I don't know what they're doing. And so we're just sitting there sipping on Heineken's, talking about stuff. We know, I know, he knows, he ain't going to Washburn. <laughs> I'm just out there doing my due diligence and we're catching up, having fun. So it was really funny. So I said, doesn't, George and I at the time I had worked I was working with George Lynch. I'd make a, oh, yeah. a, an amp with uh, George, a Randall amp. George, I said, "Doesn't George Lynch live around here?" And he goes, "Yeah, he lives down the street." So I called George Lynch and I said, "Hey, you'll never guess where I am." He goes, "Where are you?" I said, "I'm at the Country Girl. It's a truck stop bar." He goes, "I know exactly where that is." He goes, "I said, come down." He goes, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> truck stop. I said, "I'm hanging out with Zach Wild." He's like, "What?" So he comes down. So it's me. George Lynch and Zach Wild at the country and at the bar. It sounds like a bad joke, right? Right, right. <laughs> and we're all sitting there, and George doesn't drink. 
so he's drinking some like O'Doul's or something. And, uh, and that was a really neat conversation and fun time to sit with those two guitar legends and uh, just listen to them yip and yap. But uh, funny story. So we're just there. You know, my meeting's at 3. My taxi was supposed to be at 5. We're talking, we're at 7, 8 p.m. now. And uh, literally, guys are, uh, trucks, the guy comes in from the truck and he says, Anybody want a case of hamburgers? I got hamburgers on the freezer. And George is like, How much? Right? And uh, Zach's like, How much? Right? And the guy's like, I'll do blah, blah, blah. So they literally they go out back. So out back. I go out back. George Lynch and Zach Wilde are making a deal with the truck driver to buy hamburgers off the back, frozen fucking hamburgers off the back of a semi truck. Weird <laughs> guy. <God>. So <laughs> it gets to, it, 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 uh, and then, uh, and he just won't let me leave. He's like, he's like, no, we're gonna go do this. We're gonna go do that, right? We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. And uh, so George goes home. Then we drive up the mountain, probably faster than he drove down the mountain. And we go, and he's cooking the burgers in his house. And God bless this guy. He's a super sweet guy, but he's dirty. Um, and he's <laughs> I don't know if you ever seen or met him, but it's not an act. He's really fucking gross. And uh, he's cooking the burgers, right? And he's with his, and he's making the burgers, and he's giving me the burgers. The hands are so fucking gross. <laughs> We're eating the burger, and then he literally says to me, and so this is kind of goes back. I just kind of full circle to how these. I think these guys just want to hang out, mm-hmm. like, and not be whatever. He looks at me, and he goes, "You want to watch Seinfeld?" <laughs> And I said, yes, yes, I do. And then we literally sat on the couch and watched Seinfeld, laughed our asses off. I, we both fell asleep. I felt like I fell asleep like this. He's like this. <laughs> We're snoring on each other. And I will, I think I woke up at like five in the morning, like, and like, he's like literally just caveman snoring on me. I don't know if, I wonder if he remembers this. He probably has to remember this. And uh, and I I, I kind of scooted out, called my friend. Uh, actually, I was staying. I was supposed to be staying with my friend Christian, who plays. He played in Fear Factory. Uh, Christian Oldie Wolvers, really great mm-hmm. guy. And he's like, "Where the fuck are you? <laughs> Come home." And I'm like, "I know." <laughs> so, uh, and so he ended up uh, picking me up and then taking me to the airport. But he wouldn't. So, like again. You know, I'm, I've been really lucky. I've had a lot of neat things happen in my life because of my experience with Dime. You know, I don't know. I, I, my life might be different now, I think, if I had not ever met Dimebag Daryl. Um, I don't know if I'd be in Chicago. I don't know if my, that company would have ever taken off. You know, who knows? You know, I mean, like, just the little forks in the road that happen in life are interesting and uh, to have someone like that come into your life and create a fork is is just I'm super I'm super lucky I'm just so lucky like oh, yeah. I I'll never it still seems surreal when you talk when I talk about it you know um you know now I you know I, I make uh, I make pinball machines which is fun uh, I've been literally I just celebrated my 11th anniversary at Stern Pinball so I do all the licensing there. And I've been able to uh, definitely incorporate a lot of the music aspect into that, uh, which is fun. You know, we've been able to do a lot of a lot of great music games, um, and maybe one day there'll be a Pantera game. You know. Yeah, man, that would be great to see. You had something to do with the uh, Metallica one, correct? Yeah, that was um, that was one. That was one, that's one of one of my favorite projects we did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the uh, the, uh, we did that one right after we did uh, ACDC, I believe. Speaking, speaking, I was listening to the new album today. It's incredible. You know, one place where I see the Metallica pinball machine around town are these uh, kind of adult-themed arcades that we have here where you can go get a drink and you can play games and everything's a quarter. Uh, the one here is called Rec Bar. And, man, it's just a lot of fun. I, I love going to to hang out at these pinball places, playing the classic arcade games, and uh, also being able to drink. Man, it's a lot of fun. It's fantastic. That whole barcade scene, it kind of originated, if you really want to go back to it, originally in Portland. 
Portland, Portland was this place that uh, I think there's a place called Ground Control. I think would maybe considered the first official place like that ever. And uh, as you know, Portland's so ahead of ahead of the ahead of the times, right? So, <laughs> but uh, you know, in Chicago, we have I think we got like ten or twelve of them. And like you're in Louisville, which isn't a major market, but you've got a bunch. Like yeah. they're popping up everywhere. Obviously, COVID's put a little bit of a damper damper on uh, some yeah. of that stuff. But um, it's amazing to see that aspect of the business come back because that's what's going to make people nostalgic for collecting in the future. That's why people, we, we, have a, we sell to a ton of collectors, right? People who put pinball machines in their house. And the reason that they put them in their house is because they remember going out and playing them. Yeah. So they need to be on the street for them to become collectible. And nobody can you know, and speaking of pinball and music and all that, you need to definitely go check out the Classic Metal Show. Uh, go talk to Chris Aiken. He owns Pinball PA and also has a Classic Metal Show. So it's uh, so it's kind of all worlds colliding there. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's really neat to see um, pinball and music, I think, just have a lot in common. You know, and we've just been able to do a lot of fun music games. We've been able to... Even, just incorporate music into pinball games. You know, we just did a, a game called the black Knight, which is not a license, but then, uh, we got Scott Ian and Brendan small, um, uh, actually did a soundtrack for it. We actually made a vinyl, a collectible vinyl. <laughs> so I'm still, I'm not, I'm, I'm still, so I'm, my dad can hear me now. I'm still, I'm still kind of in the music business now. I guess it's to the point now, whenever they want to do a music project at Stern, they go, well, we got to get Jody on it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and sometimes that's good and sometimes that's not so good. But they just assume that there's a place to go to, the, like a store to go to, to buy music. Like, uh, like, like, hey, we want to put this music in the game. I'm like, okay. And they're like, where are you at with that? I'm like, I'm finding, uh, I'm finding it. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for it. <laughs> Back to the uh, Metallica pinball machine. How involved were Metallica in the uh, in in putting together that machine? Yeah, well, you know, um, the guy I only really talked to was Kirk, um, and I think that's because uh, mostly because we have a lot. We had mutual friends, and then that just made it a little easier. I mostly spoke with um, there's some really great people. Uh, there's this gal named Bree who's their uh, assistant, and she amazing person and uh she was kind of my conduit to the guys and uh so i would say that they were very involved i just didn't really talk to them a lot um but uh they they did have a lot of input and they were they were really cool and they did uh, custom custom voice everybody did custom voiceovers for the game that's awesome um they were you know i think it was a really neat project for them you know kirk kirk uh i remember one time kirk told me he's like it's something that his kids like that's metallica because his kids could give shit that he's a Metallica, right? <laughs> right. But they think that's cool, right? The game, it's because it's a game, right? Um, and uh, no, it was just really fun, and you know it, that that project again, just like like Dime giving me a break, you know, yeah. uh, Metallica giving it was really ACDC giving me a, an opportunity, but Metallica giving me the opportunity to work with them because they don't. None of these people need to do this stuff, right? the last thing they need is money or a hassle or <laughs> more work. To do. So the, so, so I, I really look at it as they've, they've allowed me these opportunity and, you know, Metallica allowing me that opportunity really, really popped the door open for a lot of things in pinball. Uh, that was a really, that was a needle. I call that one a needle mover. Um, it really, it really moved, helped move, you know, pinball right now is more popular than it's been in a long time. Uh, we're back ordered. Despite the pandemic, we're backordered thousands and thousands of games right now. We can't make them fast enough. Um, oh, wow. We're about to release another game tomorrow, uh, another game, I think, on December 15th. So we, 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 we are pumping them out like crazy. But uh, it's the more we get to do these big pop culture titles or big music. You know, we did, we've done Maiden, uh, ACDC, um, but, uh, Aerosmith, Kiss. Uh, the Rolling Stones, uh, and we have a lot more. I wish I could tell you about that are really, really, <laughs> really fun. That maybe one, maybe one day I'll come back and tell you about them. Uh, but uh, it's um, no, we're having a lot of fun. 
this is something I think Dime would have really liked. Yeah. I think he would have got a kick out of it. Um, I think he probably, I think, I think he may have, I, I, I think they do have the, the old Kiss Valley machine at his house. I think so too, yeah. I think so. So he definitely, if he was around still, he definitely would have bothered me for the new Kiss one that we made. <laughs> and he would have, he would have, you know, if he was still around and I was doing this, I would, I would, I'd be calling him up for favors all the time. I know I would. Oh, yeah. Just like I'd call up like my buddy, my other guitar player buddies. You know, hey, you want to do music on this one? You want to? Be a voice. You want to do something fun? I, I bet you he'd be into it. I bet you'd be oh yeah. I know I've said it a thousand times on this podcast, and I know I need to stop. But Dime would have been a star in the social media era, with like Vine, Instagram Live, Facebook Live, all those things. Yeah, he, I mean, he was. Yeah, he, I mean, you know, even the 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 vulgar videos, right? Those are like those are like so ahead of those are ahead of Jackass, right? Which was. Those CKY videos, remember those? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, so he was, yeah, he knew what he was doing, man. Yeah, if he could have got a hold of uh, of Instagram, it'd be uh, pretty interesting. <laughs> All right, man. As we wrap this one up, Jody, thanks for taking the time. And uh, what's your go-to Pantera song? Oh, that, now you just said. Now that you said that, so like, like I'm thinking, drag the waters because you said that, but <laughs> it's not drag the waters. It's a good one. Uh, it, it, it yeah it, it um i'd say it's either um you know cemetery gates um i really enjoy playing that song on guitar mm-hmm. and and stuff like that and um i really like uh uh, uh revolution is you know the revolution is my name you know uh classic it's it's weird it's a classic because it's so modern compared to <laughs> right. other stuff, but it, I just remember that really at a time in my life where I was more into punk rock music at a, you know, uh, at a time um, where that really kind of grabbed me back in, um, in into Pantera and, and that, the riffs and that. So. Such good stuff, man. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on, and uh, you're a great guest. And thanks for sharing all of your dime bag stories, man. Appreciate it. All right, huge thank you to Jody Dankberg for coming on the show. Follow everything he's doing over at Stern Pinball and follow everything we are doing at cmspn.com. You can find us anywhere. Amazon Fire Stick, Roku, Spotify. You can download the Classic Metal Show app. I am there now. And you will not miss a single episode of Drag the Waters. So once again, for the Drag the Waters podcast, I am Joshua Toomey. And I will talk to you soon.